and welcome to another very special episode of Let Me Explain You a Thing. My name is Andrew, and this is the podcast where I talk extemporaneously on a subject I know a decent amount about. Usually on my drive to work, although today I'm driving home, and the reason for that is I am recording our first ever... No, I've done this before. Shit. (laughs) Uh, I'm recording our second, question mark, ever, uh, two-part episode, Um, and that is a continuation of my earlier podcast on Age of Empires to the Age of Kings. Uh, So where I left off last time, I, I think last time I kind of explained, like, the early game and the progression of the game, maybe not the progression as much, more early game stuff. Um, and I had started talking about the Western European civs as well as the Northern slash Eastern European, uh, block of civs. Um, so I guess we could continue from there. I I think I talked a little bit about the units, the various military unit types, um, but did not get very much into the, like, metagame or the other game modes or stuff like that. So we'll, we'll just start and see how far I get. Uh, I think I can get this in before we, before it makes sense to do a third part, though. So, but here we are. There might be future Age of Kings podcasts on different topics within Age of Kings, though, so we'll see. Um, anyway, so, moving along, the different civilization groups that, uh, are available to the player, uh, covered all of Europe. Next, let's, uh, continue moving east. We've got the, uh, Middle Eastern civilization group. So, those include the Byzantines, the Turks the Saracens, and the Persians. Maybe Middle Eastern isn't perfectly accurate because the Byzantines were kind of more of a Greco-Roman sort of civilization, and the Persians, like Persia is not part of the Middle East. Iran is not technically part of the Middle East, has not been historically, um, has not been considered that so, I don't know what you would call it, though, where, where it does slot in. Um, anyway. Uh, so, the, just to run through them, the Turks, great gunpowder civilization. Uh, they really bloom in the later ages. They've also got really good, uh, really good cavalry. There was this old strategy that you would read about on the message board back when those were a thing, uh, called the Turkish chewing gum strategy, and that was where you would take, like, so the Turks get a free upgrade, like the, the tech, you still have to research it, but it costs no, like, food or gold or whatever. The technology for, uh, light cavalry is free. Um, so when you get to the castle age, you can go straight from straight cal- uh, scout cavalry to uh, light cavalry at your stables. 
Um, and the light cavalry are fast, and they uh, they don't hit super hard. They have good pierced armor, so you can kind of run them through like arrow fire, and they don't they don't take a ton of damage from that. Um, but, yeah, I think the, the general strategy was you formed two kind of squads of light cavalry, and you would kind of like, sort of like, flank your opponents, surround them, and like, kind of, like, like, chew them, I guess, was, was the idea, like, you would, you would sort of press them on both sides and then, like, break and, and run away and try to reform and do the same thing again. I'm not sure if I'm describing that right. I never really played Age of Kings competitively. Um, I never played Age of Kings very well against other humans. Um, my strategy was almost always, like, turtle and make my town look pretty, like place buildings in a nice formation rather than the most like utilitarian formation where your your villagers like travel distance between the other points is the shortest. Um, I would like tear down old buildings if they if they weren't basically I was like playing city manager a little bit too much. More than the game really rewards you for doing. So um, anyway, so, yeah, Turks, uh, the Saracens, which I believe get pretty decent ships, they also get great camels. The camel, uh, uh, tree is a, uh, camels are units that, you got camels and heavy camels. They're anti-cavalry cavalry, so you can use them really effectively against like, they're fast, and you can use them effectively against other cavalry, which is really neat. Um, so, yeah, camels uh, can only be produced by the four Middle Eastern civs, as well as, I believe, the Chinese. We'll get into them later. Um, the Chinese also get camels, for whatever purpose. Yeah, so, so Saracens get great 
upgrades for their, um, Saracens get great upgrades for their, their camels, and I believe they get pretty decent ships as well. Um, who are the Saracens? This is, and I, I guess I didn't mention, I, I did get into this with the gods, because all my early examples in the last step were from, were about the gods. But like, uh, the Teutons, just to jump back, who are the, who are all these civilizations, and could they be better named? Um, the Teutons, I think, is a reference to the, the Teutonic Order, and I believe the Teutons were, um, like a, a Germanic tribe that eventually, like, lent their name to, like, a region of kind of northeast Germany, like, Poland, Latvia kind of area. I believe that was kind of like the, the domain of the Teutons. And I think maybe they could be called the, the Germans, even though, like, was German, like, ever really... German isn't even a, a name that Germans today call themselves. Um, they're Deutsch. So, and I think Germans refers to, like, a Roman name for them, right? Something similar to Barbarian. Um, so maybe that's not really accurate, but I think that's kind of what is being described by this civilization. I guess the whole, the, what was, what was the, the land now known as Germany? What was that in the Middle Ages? The Holy Roman em Empire. Um, very, like, fractious conglomerate of small principalities. Um, so there was not really a name for that. Fun, fun fact, or unfun fact, I guess, is the modern German state and the concept of there being a united German state. I mean, a lot of this goes back to, like, the 19th century, where you've got uh, nation states and uh, nationalism and empire building and stuff like that where you can have, like, a, a united, you know, country. That's how we get the modern state of Italy. Uh, it was not united until the 1860s or 70s, 1870, I want to say. Um, before that, it was, like, the Papal States and the Kingdom of Two Sicilies and Sardinia and uh, Lombardy and all these different places that united into Italy uh, yeah, nationalism has been, like, on balance, a pretty bad thing for, uh, <laughs> for the, the world. Um, but if not for nationalism, we wouldn't be able to name our Age of Kings civilizations in a consistent way that makes sense. So, trade-offs. Um, yeah, so Teutons, I guess it's fine. I can't think of anything better. Uh, the Goths. Yeah, that's a, that's cool. I, I kind of wish there was, like, the Visigoths and Ostrogoths, like, maybe some difference in, like, maybe there's, like, kind of two builds you can go with for the Goths, like, two directions that easily make sense. That's not how they did it, so, you know, but here we are. Um... What else? The gods. Um, 
the Vikings. Viking is also kind of... Vikings, that refers to raiders, so it would make more sense if they were like the Norse or something. Or the Northmen, even. Um, anyway. Uh, what else? The Huns? I believe that was the name they gave themselves. It's kind of interesting because, like, the Huns were active in, like, the 5th century AD, you know, like, and the gods, like, there's a, in the, the CD version of Age of Kings, there's a history icon uh, that you can open, and it shows you, like, you know, when all these civilizations kind of spanned their, their, when, when they were at their apogee, and some of them are like, yeah, they were kind of, we're going to say they go to the Imperial Age or the Castle Age, but they were kind of spent by like 600 AD, or like, yeah, they, they kind of started collapsing in on themselves in like the 9th century, <laughs> uh, so... Some of them are like, yeah, these guys were going great guns in the 1500s, let me tell ya. Um, so there's, there's kind of some ahistorical, you know, nonsense going on, but it's fine. Um, speaking of ahistorical nonsense, there's a map, because there's different map types you can choose if you're making a random game. There's like... You can do an oasis where there's like a central pool of water that's surrounded by trees and the rest is desert. Um, so the only lumber on the map is really close to the center. Um, or you can do one that's like uh, continents where you're, or islands where you're going to have to, it really kind of funnels you towards using ships some extent, maybe to reach another player's island, or maybe just to get around the continent in a way, like do a Vasco da Gama kind of situation, get around the continent in a way that puts you in easier access to a particular player. Um, so the maps can kind of like funnel you into different sort of play styles, can privilege different civilizations somewhat. Um, kind of give you hints as to where you're going to find certain resources, um, or what type of resources are most reliable. I didn't mention, like, villagers can gather fish, uh, if they're on the shore. They can, like, cast nets out and fish from, like, rivers and shores, coastlines. So certain, you know, like, rivers is a, a map style that's going to, like, guarantee that beyond, like hunting animals and forage bushes, you're going to have pretty, uh, reliable food sources and fish that you can just grab off the coast. Yeah, and then there's, you know, there's maps that 
like like give you more natural defenses and stuff. The reason I bring this up now is because there is a map that's called, I believe it's called Texas, and it is literally like, you know, it's not the, the biome of Texas. It is literally like desert that has been drawn in the shape, maybe grass, I don't know, it's been drawn in the shape of Texas, no land surrounding it. I want to say it's like surrounded by either water or trees. So it's just Texas. <laughs> and I think the, the the description for the map is relive the classic skirmish between the Koreans and Mayans over the Lone Star State. And yeah, it's just, you know, it's quirky. It's out there. They're having fun. Um, and then there are some maps that are kind of interesting. Like, usually they're kind of randomly generated or, like, procedurally generated. Like, you don't know where you're going to find stuff. But then there's some maps that are, like, yeah, Texas or, like, um, like Britain. It's a map that's just the, the island of Britain. And you kind of know where, like, the coasts are, you know? Like, uh, it doesn't change, you know? Like, the structure of it doesn't change. Um, the resources may even stay the same. I don't know if they, they move around, but... Or, like, Japan is, is a map, and, like, you know what you're getting like, where things are going to be, uh, which is kind of interesting. Another dimension to the whole game. Um, but yeah, so, so maps, um, uh, Texas, yeah, a historicity, yeah, that's how we got here. Um, so, yeah, uh, I guess moving on with the civilizations, oh yeah, I was going to cover, so Britons, the British Celts are, although the Celts migrated from, like, I believe they're related to the Proto-Indo-Europeans, and they migrated from, like, Eastern Europe, and there's a significant Celtic population in, uh, France. Uh, even kind of to this day, culturally, and, like, the Celts and Germanic peoples are kind of interrelated if you go back far enough. Um, the Celts, in this sense, really applies more to, like, the, the Irish, the Welsh, the Scots, um, any of the Gaelic peoples of the British Isles, um, in Ireland. So, yeah, Celts, um, Britons, Vikings, Spanish, yeah, um, the Franks, which is kind of an archaic term for French, um, they were Franks when they were a little bit more Germanic, like the Franks coexisted with the Roman Empire and, uh, existed up until, like, the, uh, um, Moorish in 
invasion of uh, of France, I believe. Um, and then past that point, you know, uh, kind of started becoming the French. But anyway, um, I get that some of these terms feel a little too modern, and, and it's kind of fun for like medieval flavor to go like, oh, but they're the Franks. That's a Frankish paladin, not a French paladin. You silly English. Uh, so, I have fun. Um, yeah, I, the, the Byzantines, great. Um, people always use the Byzantines in custom scenarios to represent the Romans, which is, you know, kind of a slant, but okay. The Saracens, and I think the reason I got on this whole tangent, Turks is great, Persians is great. The reason I got on onto the Saracens is that um, that's kind of that's like a Eurocentric term, I believe. It's like a term that uh, Europeans on Crusade used to refer to all Muslims, basically, regardless of their like you know ethnicity or. Uh, homeland, um, so, you know, that's not awesome, but it's, uh, and I, I think they may, like, Arab may be a little bit more accurate, the Arabs, but, like, yeah, maybe also feels too, like, modern, or, like, has some other kind of, like, X factor to it, I don't know, not that, you know, like, there's an X factor to you know, that, that people, but, like, the way, like, Westerners might refer to, I don't know, I don't want to get into it, I don't want to speculate about ways people might be racist, um, but anyway, so, so, yeah, and then, uh, moving east, you got the Chinese, which are an archer civilization, Oh, I didn't cover the Persians. Yeah. What, what's their deal? I don't really know. They get war elephants as their unique unit. Uh, they're just like tanks. They're siege engines. Basically, they're, they're kind of wild. They're vulnerable to, to the spearman line, though, which is bad. Um, and then you have the Chinese, which is kind of an archer and gunpowder civilization. Um, the Koreans... I believe also gunpowder and ships, like they get the turtle ship which fires cannonballs and is like a giant tank of a ship, it's awesome. Um, they're super cool. Uh, yeah, maybe, oh, a siege and tower civilization, I believe that's kind of how they're characterized. Towers. Yeah, maybe Byzantines are also... Byzantines are like monks and towers, I think. Um, Teutons also get pretty, pretty kicking towers. Um, and then the Japanese are an industry civilization. Um, their unique unit is the samurai, naturally. The samurai's advantage is against other unique units, which is pretty wild. Um, 
but they are good at like tearing down your cities. They're just like the Huns, except more, a little more archery. Playing horse archers in Age of, Age of Kings takes a little bit more micro. You, you gotta kind of like, cause you, it's not like how they would have been utilized in, in real life where you're like shooting an arrow from a moving horse. Like when you shoot an arrow in Age of Kings, you, your unit pauses to fire. So basically the way it works in, in practice is you are like, you're running your cavalry, uh, you get, you just outpace your opponent's units a little bit, like their, their melee units or whatever. Um, you outpace them by a little bit, and then you turn around and fire. You run, you, you kind of get out of their reach, you fire. You rinse and repeat. That's, that's kind of the whole deal. Um, yeah, Mongols are interesting. Um, what else? We got... So those are the, yeah, those are the East Asian civilizations. Um, every civilization, most civilizations get horse archers, some get heavy cavalry, or cavalry archers, some get heavy cavalry archers as an upgrade. The Mongols get those, and they also get their unique unit, which is called the Mangudai, which is another type of horse archer. Really good. Um, I don't know what distinguishes heavy cavalry archers from Mangudai. Maybe Mangudai are a little faster or something. Um, okay, so finally, in the Conquerors, along with uh, the Koreans, the Spanish, um, the Huns, Along with the Koreans, the Spanish, and the Huns, in the Conqueror's edition, they also added the Aztecs and Mayans. Um, both of these civilizations are really unique in that they do not get cavalry at all. And a lot of their units are more in, you would, you would call them the light category. Like the Celts, they get fast infantry. They get infantry that is as fast as cavalry almost. Well, not, maybe not quite but pretty fast. Um, instead of scout cavalry at the start of the game, the, the Aztecs and Mayans get what's called an Eagle Warrior, which is kind of like a weak melee unit um, that kind of fills the same function as like fast, fast infantry um, or fast scout unit, um, which you can then upgrade to elite Eagle Warriors. Uh, the... Um, Aztecs get Jaguar Warriors, which are hard-hitting, powerful uh, melee units as their unique unit. And the um, Mayans get Plumed Archers, which are, you know, nifty, fast foot archers. Um, so that's kind of, and I've been mentioning the unique units, how are those created? Once you get a castle, you can start producing unique units at your your castle. You, there's also um, unique technologies. Some civilizations you can get more than one unique unit or unique technology, which is kind of neat. Um, like the, the Koreans, for example, get the uh, uh, 
war wagon. Excuse me, which is like a the war wagon is like a not really a chariot. It's like a it looks kind of like a carriage, and it has uh, like uh, scorpion bolts on it that it shoots. It's kind of good against like a tight formation. Um, and not by like as it would be in real life where you get hit by a scorpion bolt and you're fucking like dead but uh, your units get hit by a scorpion bolt and it passes all the way through and every unit it touches it gives like some splash damage to um, so war wagons are, are basically like cavalry scorpions which scorpions are a you know siege weapon um, I think almost probably every civilization gets at least a basic scorpion. Um, but yeah, the war wagon is that, and then there's also the turtle ship. The Vikings have kind of a similar deal where they've got like a, a land unique unit and a ship that's, that's a unique unit that's produced at the dock rather than the castle. The Vikings get uh, longboats, which are like just you know, fast ships, fast arrow ships, basically, um, as well as berserkers, and those are the only military unit in the game, in the, in the normal game, that heal themselves, do not require a monk to heal them, um, and it seems kind of at, at odds with the flavor, like, you would think a Berserker unit would be, like, super hard-hitting or, like, uh, you know, do splash damage or be hard to control or something as a trade-off or be fast or whatever. But, like, the fact that they heal themselves means you can be pretty ruthless with them. You can, like, dispose of them in certain way, like, send them on, like, suicidal missions where they... Uh, you know, they're, they're fighting as a unit, and then they, you break, and they heal, and now you've got this same unit, it, like, it kind of allows you to be more berserkery by the, the nature of them being, like, you know, you don't have to, like, worry about healing them or doing any of that micro. They kind of take care of that on their own over time. They don't have to be garrisoned as much. They don't have to be... You don't have to make as many monks when you're playing the Vikings. Um, a lot of civilizations, unique units, are just kind of like upgrades of unit types that they already get, like the... Mameluke for the Saracens is like kind of a, it's a camel with a short range. It's like a short range ability. They throw swords, which game balance, I guess. <laughs> um, but the, the Mamelukes are also anti-cavalry cavalry, just like regular camels. Um, but they have like a short range, which is a neat little, you know, it's it's not a strict upgrade, it's sort of a side grade, I believe, when you look at the, the breakdown of, like, armor and HP and attack per hit, uh, damage per second, you know, if you will, stuff like that. Um, yeah.
yeah, so, uh, there's, you know, like the Britons get great archers, their unique unit is the longbowmen, um, which are archers that have, like, just top tier, like, really long range, um, which is awesome. Um, there are some ways in the game that you can, like, with the right technologies researched and the right civilization, you can just end up feeling really cool and powerful. And playing the Britons with fully upgraded elite longbowmen is sweet. Uh, just like playing the Franks with fully upgraded uh, paladins. That is... You just feel like you're crushing it. Um, so, that's all very cool. Um, then there's some unique units that are like, kind of, kind of like a, oh, this is weird, this is different. Um, let me think of a good example of that. Hmm. Honestly, what comes to mind is the Franks. Like, to, to use them as another example. The Franks are... Their unique unit is the, the throwing axeman. It's just like a dude that throws axes. It's kind of like the Mameluke in that it's like a short range, and it counts as melee, so that damage deals towards the, the like, melee armor rather than the pierce armor. Um, so, like, you know, it... it there's some kind of slightly different interactions due to that. Um, they're fine. I, I usually don't, like, prioritize them a ton when I'm playing the Franks because, ha-ha, paladins, baby! Although paladins are expensive as hell. You need, like, I want to say, like, almost, like, 200 gold in food per. That's a lot. Um, you need a lot of resources. And so, like, I didn't really get into it, but I talked about, like, gathering food in exhaustive detail. Talked about gathering lumber a little bit. Gold and stone are just in mines. They, they do get exhausted after a certain point. So there, there can reach a point where, but basically, so there's, a building called the market you can construct starting in the feudal age, and because of that, you're able to theoretically produce an inexhaustible supply of every resource. Um, the method being, uh, you can produce gold by trading, like there's a unit called the trade cart, there's also a ship you build at the dock called the trade cog. Um, you can send those back and forth between an allied market or even an enemy market and but you know if they catch you doing that they'll they'll kill your your trade unit um, but you you send those units back and forth between an allied market or dog and they pick up some gold every time this is like just gold that is produced it's not added to the economy by being mined. It's added to the economy by, like, financial uh, shenanigans that I don't understand. But economics, um, by the power of economics. So, yeah, the, um, 
you know, trading units are kind of neat. They can produce an inexhaustible supply of gold. Gold can then be traded for goods and services. At the market, you, you can exchange a certain amount of gold for um, an equivalent amount of, or a certain amount of food, wood, or uh, stone. So by that means, you can produce any amount of anything. Um, it does, the diminishing returns hits real hard because you're never, per, you're never trading 100 gold for 100 of anything. And the more you trade over time um, at the market, you just like click a button to exchange 100 gold for, you know, 100 of whatever else, but like, or an amount of whatever else. But like you, you're never trading for the same amount and every time you click it that number decrements a little further um so like i think it bottoms out at like 14 but like you get to a point where you're trading 100 gold for like 14 wood and that feels really bad man um but there's not a point in any game where you're incapable of producing more resources. Like, there are always more resources, technically. It might just take time while you wait for your, your, um, while you wait, while you wait painstakingly for the, the gold number to tick up, but, you know, it can happen. Um, usually games don't go on that far. At some point, like, somebody builds, like, a ginormous army of something and takes you to task. Um, you know, whatever buildings you might have, you're not going to like it when you see an army of, like, uh, like, cavalry and archers and, you know, strong infantry and trebuchets and other siege units headed your way. It's just, yeah. Anyway, I, I think I've kind of gotten into more of the civilizations, more of the, the gameplay that makes the game so good, um, and, and just so infinitely enjoyable. Uh, and shockingly, I'm at like 40 minutes, so that was, that was a great part, too. I'm feeling pretty good about that. Uh, but I am home now. I'm going to turn off my car. I am home now, and now it gets quieter. So enjoy that for a few seconds. But I'm home now. Uh, thank you so much for listening. I'm glad you made it here. Uh, quick shout-out before I go to Scott Suter for the intro and outro music. Good buddy, good music. Give him a listen. And find us on letmeexplainyouathing.com. Until next time, friends, bye-bye.